0: Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself And for those facing homelessness Because one purchased equals one donated Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes Bombus. big comfort for everyone Go to bombas.com slash ACAST And use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase
2: Welcome back to Crypto Savvy The Essentials Brought to you by Hashkey Group every week we speak to marquee names from different sectors of the digital asset landscape as we aim to help you become familiar with the more mind-bending and perplexing topics in this space and truly become crypto savvy. Now in this episode we catch up with Kunal Kanodia who is Senior Director, Product Strategist of Hashkey, who's also my colleague, who will break down the intersection between TradFi and crypto, as well as what are some of the products out there in crypto that kind of mirrors those in TradFi space and what's missing. Stay tuned and hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to Crypto Savvy, the show that demystifies digital assets and uncovers all things cryptocurrency. Brought to you by the Hashkey Group a leader in financial technology and digital asset management. Welcome back to Crypto Savvy, The Essentials, brought to you by Hashkey Group. Now, When I say welcome back, I do mean welcome back, because it's been around six months since our last episode on the show, and we're back better than ever. Uh, so joining with me is actually our new host, co-host of um, the podcast, uh, Celine Chen. My name is Jason Lee, and I'll also be co-hosting the show uh, with Celine. So I'm, uh, with the marketing and client strategy team at Hashkey. Uh, I basically, I basically do content, thought leadership and branding stuff for Hashkey. Now, Celine, it's the first time that, uh, people have seen you or heard about you. Um, yeah. I mean, technically me as well, but I've been on other other hash key programs so can you tell us a little bit about yourself you know when did you first mm-hmm. get into this space etc
1: hi guys i'm i'm celine so um i kind of like grew up in different places in australia america new zealand taiwan and then later on moved to hong kong for college and also studying and also work and initially started off as a more in the traditional finance and banking area. And then later on, I moved into more like private equity venture capital space. So that's the chance kind of where I got more involved in crypto blockchain NFT as a freelance and also part-time, basically doing different more community manager and also different like hosts for different AMA projects. And so personally myself, I start to know about all crypto Bitcoin back when I was in college, back in the 2000, around that area, 2000 something. So that was when I first kind of attended a conference initially also in Hong Kong at that conference. And then later on, I started doing some investments, involvements too. And then initially I realized how active this and fast this market moves. And then not until I moved into NFT, I realized the market moves even faster, which is like only Few days of duration. It was like pretty crazy. Yeah. That's basically my story of how I moved into like this web Mm. three space, so called Mm. web three space.
2: So what's your favorite coin, Celine?
1: Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we're, no, no. we're not shilling any coins on <laughs> yes. this
2: show. But, no, um, <laughs> but yeah. Well, thank you, Celine. Uh, it's wonderful to have you co-host this podcast with me. And um, yeah, let's see what sparkles, you know, we can generate together with our guests.
1: No, the pleasure is mine, actually. Thank you for inviting me, Jason.
2: How crypto savvy are you? Follow the crypto savvy podcast to get all the central knowledge you need. Today, we are very honored to have... Uh, our guests uh, for the show, and as well as my colleague, Mr. Uh, Kunal Kanodia to join us as the guest for today's episode. Now, Kunal recently joined uh, Hashkey as Senior Director Product Strategist. Now, before joining Hashkey, Kunal worked at MUFG Securities Asia as Director in Rates Trading, and he also worked at uh, Society General Hong Kong as its Vice President, focused on trading interest rate options and non-linear trading. He graduated from the University of California, Berkeley with a Master of Science in Financial Engineering. Welcome, Kunal, to the show. How are you? Thanks for having me, Jason and Sleen. Uh, yeah, I'm very well. Thank you. Yeah. Well, 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 thank you for doing this. So normally with these episodes, we like to start with kind of a hero story. So Kunal, I know you primarily worked as a trader for uh, you know the most part of your professional life. Can you tell us what that life is about? How did you find working as a trader?
0: Yes, you're right. I my last 17 years has been in traditional finance, and I worked in the capacity of an interest rate derivatives trader for practically all that time. Um, you know, in one word uh, or in one phrase, the way I can describe it, it's been uh, 17 years of a roller coaster. I came into the industry uh, in 2005 and I started my first role in Tokyo and there was this whole buzz about uh, the markets at the time, the amount of capital injection that was going on, the profitability, overall just a huge buzz. And then obviously 2008 happened and uh, it almost felt like you know, you're know you running at 100 miles per hour and suddenly get hit by a freight train. And everything changed overnight, it seemed. And we entered a world of uh, very low interest rates. Asset prices spiked. The wealth gap continued to increase. And uh, the effects of which we are still uh, facing today. So, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was a tumultuous roller coaster, ups and downs, but uh, learned a lot in the process.
2: And uh, obviously right now you are at Hashkey.
0: So tell us about your role at Hashkey. What do you do uh, for Hashkey? So Hashkey, I bring with me those 17 years of mistakes and experience. Uh, That's at least how I would like to put it. Um, My role here is really to uh, curate a roadmap for products and virtual assets, both for high touch and digital distribution. You know, these products have a very same look and feel as to what traditional finance products do have. So I look at my role more as a bridge to connect the old with the new and be a part of this very exciting asset class in the process.
2: Now, Kunal, you know, sometimes we have these conversations in the office and I know that you are a very uh, passionate enthusiast towards Bitcoin, actually. Now, um, right. can you tell us how did your excitement and fascination in Bitcoin first come about? When did you first hear about, you know, this this fascinating technology?
0: Well, the first time I heard about it was in 2012, which was right about the time I moved to Hong Kong. And, uh, you know, a very dear friend of mine from Tokyo days, he was Australian and uh, he was moving back to his hometown in Sydney. And uh, he asked me to courier him a graphics processing card. Uh, And I was like, what an odd request. Why don't you just buy a new one in Sydney? And he's like, no, 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 no. That has a lot of my mind bitcoins. I'm like, mind what? So I was just like, okay, what are you even talking about? And he told me to read about it, which I obviously did not. I think the first time it really caught my attention was uh, the bull market of 2017. Um, And even at that time, I saw it more as an asset class, as an investment product um, with a very positive asymmetric return profile. Um, I didn't really understand the nuances of it and what it could potentially replace. Um, It was not until 2020 when the COVID lockdowns actually happened. And, um, you know, a lot of the podcast series that I used to hear and follow started bringing up this term Bitcoin a lot more and uh, its association as digital gold. And maybe that was what clicked, and I dug down the rabbit hole. Then, and well, when I under, when I when I tried to go down that path, that's when I really understood the genius in this invention.
2: Well, well, I'm sure you don't regret that decision at all, right? You know, having to studying all of those different uh-huh. knowledges and different uh, literature of cryptocurrency, right?
0: Yes, absolutely not. It's uh, been an amazing joyride for the last three years, um, and it's, it's just such a powerful, powerful technology in so many ways um, and addresses what I believe to be the real problem in the market today. So, yeah, it's been amazing.
2: Now, you first mentioned that when you first learned Bitcoin, you were still working as a trader in the Trifi space. Was there ever a kind of a contradictory moment when you think, oh, what I'm doing right now or my passion for Bitcoin, it's kind of against like the ideals of Bitcoin. It's kind of against the the ethos of what TradFi is. Was there ever that moment for you?
0: Oh, very much so. Um, I would say... um, understanding Bitcoin has been a very humbling experience uh, because across the entire time that I went in when I started looking at it very deeply in 2020, uh, I had already started questioning a lot of things about the existing monetary system. And uh, when you actually go down that rabbit hole you you have to look at it from a very different lens where you are essentially throwing out all the education, all what you had ever learned, what economics, you know, is and uh, what drives pricing and demand supply, you, you literally have to throw everything out and start afresh. So 100%, you know, I mean, it was an experience, which was a very novel experience. But once you actually enter into it and understand the value proposition, you truly understand the genius of what this can lead to and what it could replace.
2: Interesting enough that you mentioned that when you first started learning Bitcoin, it's something that was never taught at school. But fast forward twenty twenty two, we've seen like lots of colleges and education institutions actually have started classes, you know, teaching people what Bitcoin is, what blockchain is. And in fact, a few couple of weeks ago, you know, a poly Polytechnic University here in Hong Kong actually just announced an upcoming metaverse postgraduate program next year. So I guess that just goes to show how far this industry has come, right?
1: Even... The only professor at MIT also like founded their own like public chain, Algorand Foundation. The
0: Algorand Foundation, that's correct. Uh, Sylvia, Sylvia El- yes, Cali- that's correct. Yeah. yeah. No, I I, I think um, this will only increase and uh, get more and more expanded. We at the moment we are only seeing um, at least when I started taking this very seriously, I I had actually done an online course uh, from Oxford University. Uh, to understand the very basics of blockchain, um, but yeah, and I, I, I mean, maybe four five years, not even four five, maybe maybe two three years down the line, we may see a proper four year degree in blockchain. This is this is how fast the industry is actually growing, and um, you know, it touches a lot of areas. That is also you know doing peer to peer transfer of value without a trusted third party intermediary is a very powerful concept and uh, now you build smart contracts into the equation um, you can literally touch every industry so it has wide-reaching consequences and uh, it changes everything about how we interact with uh, systems with the world today
2: Obviously, you are a ardent supporter of Bitcoin. Are you satisfied or what are your thoughts on the development and growth of Bitcoin so far? You know, we've seen Bitcoin being adopted in as legal tenders in El Salvador and potentially many other countries in the future. We've seen companies, public companies actually, incorporating Bitcoin into their balance sheets, etc. What are your thoughts on Bitcoin's development after all these years?
0: Very happy with the adoption. I mean, we should look no further than the adoption of the Internet in 1995. Uh, You know, you can draw very, very strong parallels with uh, how the adoption curve in Bitcoin is going. I did not expect uh, Bitcoin to become legal tender in a sovereign nation this quick. But uh, it's a stark reminder that Bitcoin is both an asset and a network. And, um, you know, if you um, if, if a large proportion of your GDP is actually uh, coming from foreign remittances, then it actually makes a lot of sense to uh, to adopt Bitcoin as a network.
1: So, you know, a lot of like different investments product right now in the crypto market, they really mirror like traditional TradFi products. So. Could you kind of give us an overview of what the current market landscape is like and also what are the developments that is going to happen?
0: Yeah, very much so, Celine. Um, so, yes, a lot of the products that are out there today take their cues from uh, traditional banking and traditional finance, but uh, there are a lot of innovative products as well. I mean, if you look at a perpetual future, this is not something we even have in traditional markets. And what a perpetual future really is, is buying spot on margin, which and and because of that feature, it's a very good uh, indicator of instantaneous funding. Then, you know, the explosion of DeFi that we saw in 2021, you know, saw this emergence of liquidity pools. Uh, Liquidity pool is not a new concept at all. But, uh, you know, when you kind of wrap smart contracts around it, Uh, The kind of innovation and financial innovation I would say that you can actually do is just mind-blowing. The fact that you can yield farm, yield aggregation, um, these are exciting stuff. Um, And then obviously, you know, on the funds aspects, we started seeing um, a lot of these kind of uh, GBTC-style products uh, come in. That was the very first one. Now we're seeing uh, a lot more future based ETFs uh, come in as well. Um, a lot of funds now have started giving a lot of uh, a bigger array of diversification to the crypto universe. And also a lot of quant strategies have emerged, uh, you know, which are giving exposure to uh, the spot future arbitrage and uh, amongst other things. So I, I honestly feel that. Um, the market is developing very, very quickly. We still have a long ways to go. But uh, if we see the progress that's happened in the last four or five years, it's been tremendous.
2: Now, obviously, you're a TradFi guy, right? I guess it's fair to say that considering the years of experience you're in the space now. Well, when you first got to know more about the space, was there any specific product or any specific kind of, I guess product would be the right word, that kind of surprised you? Oh, and say, oh, I didn't know crypto can do
0: that. Like, I've never seen this thing in TradFi. Like, was there any wow moment for you? Well, there were many wow moments, but one thing that was like an extremely wow moment was when I learned about uh, the head. Protocol, Basically, how a liquidity pool can essentially be an on-chain options settlement system um, was something totally mind-blowing to me. I mean, if you further take down, you know, as an options trader, I had never, ever thought um, in those terms because we are basically always thought of, you know, seeing it as an option buyer, an option seller. And here, you know, you have a liquidity pool being the option seller, which um, which was absolutely fascinating, um, so it totally blew my mind away.
1: I see. So earlier during our conversation, we talked about how like money hasn't really completely poured money into the crypto market itself. And what do you mm-hmm. think is the reason behind this gap, or what do you think could bridge this gap between traditional and more innovative spaces like crypto? Is it the liquidity side yes. or the regulatory side or both?
0: I think a bit of both. Um, you know, big financial institutions and big banks um, really care about both those things, um, liquidity and regulation. I think liquidity is, um, you know, it's, 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 it's going to happen. It's, it's a standard evolution of the market. We already have futures. Now, the next uh, stage is going to be the emergence of um, a full-blown OTC derivatives market. Uh, If I was to take cues of what we saw in the fiat world, um, you know, this futures eventually led to the emergence of short-dated forwards. um, And then forwards essentially led to the emergence of swaps. Um, that basically extends the curve. And then once the curve gets extended, then you have, uh, you know, vols which trade on top of that. And then you have a whole suite of structured products and exciting things that you can do. So I, I sense the same thing happening here. Um, a few uh, major banks are already setting up uh, crypto trading desks to basically deal in non-deliverable forwards. So the path that I mentioned is probably the path that's going to happen even in the crypto space. Mm. And uh, then you have corporates. Corporates are a totally different beast. And, um, you know, I have my own theory, but I I think it's uh, a regulatory angle as to why they're not getting involved.
1: Yeah. Could you please uh, elaborate more on this regulatory part that you just mentioned earlier?
0: Yeah, so in the United States, you have something called the FASB accounting standards, right? Um, And in FASB accounting standards, they treat crypto as an indefinite intangible. What does that even mean? That means that crypto in your balance sheet is treated the exact same way as a fine work of art. In it that you can never mark it up, you can only mark it down. So big balance sheets and pristine balance sheets with abundance of cash, like the likes of Apple, Google, Amazon, I, for one, don't believe that they don't understand the value proposition of this. Um, I honestly feel that they haven't come in because of this actual accounting standard rule. And uh, the only way to realize the value and uh, indefinite, intangible accounting standard is to actually sell it and once you sell it it becomes a taxable event so um as we speak about this you know only last week we uh, heard uh, it actually hit the wires that fasb is seriously looking into moving this to fair value accounting and a decision is about to ha- is about to take place uh, before the end of the year so let's keep our fingers crossed because if that happens it actually opens a very very big door for corporate inclusion
1: mm, i see Speaking of TradFi and also crypto trading, what do you think would be the difference in the mindset when it comes to these kind of strategies?
0: I would say that the fiat markets over the last decade have also evolved quite a lot, um, you know, and uh, the most liquid derivative instrument in the fiat world is, the dollar, is dollar swaps. And would you believe that 30% of that entire market is actually a computer, So it's actually an algorithm, which is the largest market, the largest single market maker there. And um, I think uh, in crypto world as well, the institutional trading is very technical driven. And I see very, very similar pattern recognitions and very similar style of trading that uh, we use in uh, the traditional finance world being applied here as well. Um, what is interesting, though, is in the crypto world, we don't know yet uh, how the asset actually behaves. Is it a security? Is it a commodity? Is it, is it FX? Is it equity? Or is it a hybrid of it? So that is actually what is exciting um, in the journey. And uh, hopefully with time um, and hopefully with regulatory clarity, this will be solidified. Now, we normally like to
2: end these podcasts with kind of a prediction uh, of the future. So Canal, mm. Bitcoin, crypto, blockchain, it's been around for over a decade right now. And it's really has transformed lives of millions of people around the world, whether it be their income, whether it be you know their jobs, etc. Mm-hmm. Now, in your opinion, in what ways do you envision crypto really inherently change
0: our future or yeah. kind of transform the way we live? See, Bitcoin revolution is really... For the common man, you know, he is the one who is impacted the most from it, because as I mentioned, you know, I mean, the concept of peer to peer value transfer without a trusted third party intermediary is a very powerful concept. If you look at our entire financial system today, it's entirely built on trust. And if you remove trust out of the equation, you have changed the entire game, because then you don't trust an institution or a third party, you actually trust the code. There have been some uh, sayings on social media that, uh, that we will see a decade worth of change in what we have seen. We, we, we will see more change in the next 10 years than we have seen in the past 100, and I actually tend to agree with that. Um, especially in the breadth and scale of where, you know, we are today and the industries that it is touching. It is uh, absolutely enormous. Um, You know, I would like to end with a very famous book written by George Orwell, 1983, where he predicted the emergence of a very dystopian world. I am actually so bullish on this technology that I would say that by 2083, we will see an emergence of a very utopian world thanks to this technology.
2: Well, thank you so much, uh, Kunal, for being on the show. I think during this episode, we've learned that not only are you super supportive and super looking forward to the future of this industry, but you've also told us about the intersection with regards to Traffi and regards to crypto and the similarities between it. Mm. Uh, If you guys are listening this on audio, feel free to check us out on Spotify and on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Please do stay tuned for the next episode and see you guys. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, Kunal, for being our guest today.
2: Thanks for
0: having me. Pleasure.
2: Thank you for listening to Crypto Savvy, the podcast that delivers the crypto essentials. Brought to you by the Hashkey Group. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?